I thought I was done with the Army's educational system once I was promoted to Brigadier General. After all, here I am, a general. What more could they teach me? Wrong. Before becoming a general, little did I know that the rank-heavy Pentagon and the worthies wearing two or more stars referred to newly minted brigadiers as baby generals. Yet another example of the military's tribal code. Much as a newly arrived replacement infantryman in a combat unit is referred to as an FNG, short for effing new guy, one must earn one's spurs before acceptance. So, the Army being the Army, it of course has a training system for recently promoted generals. General Officer Basic Course, or as it's known to those who've undergone it, Charm School. Charm School is designed to polish the rough edges off field commanders. To take soldiers who spent 20 or more years with troops in the swamps, sand, and s-holes of the world, not to mention the tattoo parlored culture capitals of Fort Riley, Kansas, Fort Huachuca, Arizona, and Fort Benning, Georgia. Fort Benning, Georgia is also known as Fort Benning School for Boys. School for Boys is another insider term. Fort Benning is where every Army infantryman goes for training. So at any rate, Charm School is designed to teach these former field commanders to interact with diplomats and senior elected officials, all the while not breaking the China. The week-long initial course is presented on a suburban Washington, D.C. campus, formerly owned by Xerox Corporation, where it was used to train its executives during Xerox's heydays. Although in the D.C. area, it is isolated on a wooded campus remote from shopping, mass transit, or museums. Attendance is mandatory for spouses, as well as the new generals. The training is held sporadically whenever the Army has enough new generals to warrant scheduling. There are strict limitations on the number of generals in the military, so officers are selected for promotion and sit on a waiting list until there's a vacancy. They may then be promoted. Due to this promotion delay and the randomness of the training schedule, about two-thirds of the class are colonels selected for promotion, while the rest already wear the single star of Brigadier General. Each class consists of about 120 officers and a like number of spouses. The 120 are roughly evenly divided between active duty, Army Reserve, and Army National Guard officers. My wife and I attended the course in the summer of 2008, a year after my pinning-on ceremony to the rank of Brigadier General. And my wife, Annette, had plans to spend much of the week in downtown Washington, D.C., playing tourist, as our younger son, Alex, then a college senior, had a summer internship in Senator Dick Durbin's Capitol office. Annette, a sitting felony trial court judge in the busiest court system in downstate Illinois, looked forward to a respite from the steady diet of burglars, armed robbers, drug dealers, and murderers occupying her daily docket. As an Army National Guard spouse, she had little knowledge or concern for Army customs. I went off to my weekend duties once a month, leaving the house before dawn on Saturday, dressed in combat uniform, and returned late Sunday evening, tired and grumpy from two days of military duty after a full week of a busy law practice. Other than that, her exposure to the military was limited to the occasional military ball with lukewarm chicken 
and multiple toasts with cheap wine. Alas, not to be. With our check-in Sunday afternoon came the full packet of information, detailed agenda, and map to the dining hall. Her attendance was not just encouraged, but mandated. She was, after all, on Army travel orders, right along with the general. It appeared the Hertz rental car not likely to make many trips into downtown D.C. But my goodness, the speakers, Bob Woodward, ambassadors, the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, tall cotton for the curly-headed girl from Belleville with her part-time soldier. Sunday evening informal wine and square cheese get-together. All were dressed in Carlisle casual. The translation? The Army War College, the weeding out ground to become a general officer, is at Carlisle Barracks, Pennsylvania, just a few miles from the Army's most sacred battleground, Gettysburg. All who attend there soon learn the uniform of the day, after duty hours, is an open-necked polo shirt, khakis, penny loafers, and blue blazer for male officers, the equivalent for women. Running watch, del rigueur for both sexes, with jewelry limited to wedding bands. Although, if a ring knocker, class ring may be worn. Ring knocker, the derisive term used by non-academy grad officers for West Pointers, who are forever playing with their oversized class rings. Thus, Carlisle Casual. Summer 2007. The war in Iraq raging. Lots of troops in Iraq. Lots of casualties. The Army, in its infinite wisdom, pulled colonels selected for promotion out of their combat roles in Iraq, put them on a plane, sent them to Washington, D.C., with little or no leave, where their spouses met them to undergo the training. It wasn't hard to spot the soldiers pulled from a battle zone. The tension between spouse and soldier evident for all to see. A dozen or so couples struggling to keep their composure while meeting the requirements of lecture attendance and dining with the stars, general stars, that is, etiquette. Just as it's easy to spot the soldiers pulled from battle, it's easy to spot the active duty army spouses. They know the drill. They know how important to their spouse's career it is to make up to the four stars wife. The guard and reserve spouses less familiar with the protocols. Although I guess the protocol is not a lot different from corporate America. Agenda shows Monday morning start time, 0800 hours, 8 a.m. civilian time, in the lecture hall just large enough for the 240 or so participants and a half a dozen extra seats for echelons above God observers. Echelons above God meaning very high-ranking folks. Thus, they rank so high they're above God. 0730, I'm locked, cocked, and ready to fire, meaning shaved, dressed, and ready to move out. Annette, still on her second cup of tea. Hun, we need to get moving, emerges from my mouth. Oh, just relax, we've got plenty of time, her reply. I can't believe they start this so early, she grumbles. Tick-tock, tick-tock, goes my mind, if not the black, sweat-stained Timex Expedition running watch, set to the 24-hour military time standard. She flips on the white electric teapot, brought from home expressly to brew the English PG tips for her third cup. I know better than to push again too quickly. 0750. Hun, we have got to go, comes urgently from my anxious lips. Oh, all right, but we've still got ten minutes, comes the reply, 
as she pours the balance of her honey-sweetened goat milk lightened tea into a too small styrofoam cup. As we board the elevator for the two-story descent to the main floor, she asks, Now we'll sit in the back, right? Of course, my response. After 25 years of marriage, we have our habits well-defined. Whether Sunday church or a continuing legal education seminar, the preferred seating arrangement the same. Last pew, on the left, close to exits, and distant from vigilant speakers. Where is everyone? Annette questions as we walk through the anteroom with coffee urns and half-empty pastry trays. I take her arm to urge a little quicker walk. Into the seminar room we march, scanning for back row seats. No vacancies. Every seat occupied by a straight-backed military member next to an immaculately dressed spouse. We sidle up the center aisle. Eyes right, eyes left. Not a vacancy in sight as we move slowly toward the front. Four seats remain. Two front row right side on the center aisle. Two front row left side on the center aisle. The two on the left with a small four-star flag, denoting its reserve for the Army Chief of Staff. The last two seats available are directly in front of the speaker's podium, immediately adjacent, if across the aisle, from the Chief of Staff of the Army. My bosses, 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 boss. Oh, no, we're screwed, I realize. There'll be no slipping out early. There'll be no dozing off. We're stuck. All 240 pairs of eyes on us as we take the front row seats. She whispers to me as we slide the chairs out. We'll move to the back after break. Nope. Just as in church. Once you've taken it, you own the pew. Same seat every time. Don't even think of trying to sit in someone else's pew. Lesson learned for the judge. Court may not start until a bailiff cries, All rise, as the black-robe-clad figure, known to my crusty old three-war fighter pilot law partner as she who must be obeyed, opens the door beneath the seal of the state of Illinois. But as for the Army, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> <laughs>